0: Good morning everyone. It's a great joy to be with you this morning and uh, uh, good to be with you after a long time and I look forward to spending some time with you personally. I know a lot of faces but I see also a lot of uh, new faces and uh, praise be to God for uh, Gospel Life Church and I bring greetings to you from Ecclesia Evangelical Fellowship and we want to assure you that we are constantly praying for you as a church We praise God for the wonderful leadership of uh, uh, Dion and Alan who are laboring to uh, build the church for the glory of God and for the edification of the saints of God. And also uh, we pray for the members and we especially remember Susan in our prayers and uh, uh, praise God for his good work. And uh, may we keep growing in the Lord and plant more churches In Hyderabad, Sikandarabad and beyond these cities so that uh, we can be a great blessing to our nation and bring souls to the Lord and build his church. As we spend some time listening to God's word, let us all look to God in prayer and ask his gracious help in enabling us to understand his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much this morning for your goodness and mercy in our lives. We give glory to you and acknowledge that you are our creator and you loved us and sent your only begotten son to die for our sins and you raised him from the dead and all those who repent of their sins and believe in him become your children and you seal them with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Lord, thank you for birthing this church, Gospel Life Church. Thank you so much for the elders. Thank you for the members. Thank you for those who are about to become members. Thank you, Lord, for the work of your spirit, because flesh and blood cannot produce divine work. It is only the spirit of God who produces your work. And we pray that you continue to build your church, spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, train men and plan more churches. And as we spend some time today meditating on your word, we ask you that you speak to our hearts, enlighten our minds, And we pray that you sanctify our souls and save those who are unsaved and build the saints of the living God. Thank you so much, O Lord, for this opportunity you have given us to hear your word. We pray for the enlightening, life-changing work of the Holy Spirit. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. I'm going to share with you a very important topic that I believe is very much needed in the churches today my plan is that uh, uh, to write a book on this sometime god willing in the near future and uh, you have been the reason actually for my book to come out covenanting with christ church i remember preaching uh, for the first time to you and after that that was converted into a book so maybe this would also happen After some time, you have become my source of uh, producing books. Um, uh, But this message is one of the dearest messages of my life. And I believe this is going to encourage you, enlighten you. You may not be able to see from this perspective, although it is the truth that is inscribed in the word of God. But the way you see this is implemented is maybe very fresh to many of you and uh, my topic today that I would like to share with you is on growing in obedience growing in obedience and this is more of a I, I generally preach expositional sermons but this is more of a topical sermon built on the great commission and I believe that the Lord would greatly edify our hearts if I ask you the question, what is the scarcity of our time? What would you say? What is the scarcity of our time? Is it sermons? You won't say that, right? We have plenty of sermons. Go to YouTube, you have millions of sermons. Even if you live for 100 years, your life will not be enough to listen to all those sermons. Is it books? not books, right? We have millions of books produced and uh, even if you live 1,000 years, you would not be consuming all the books that are there. The scarcity is not about sermons. And when I say sermons, I don't mean false teachings. I mean good sermons. There are millions of good sermons, millions of books that are produced. There is no dearth of the knowledge of God's word. In fact, we are engrossed saturated simmering in the abounding knowledge of God's word in our time and if you ask me what is the scarcity of time I would say that obedience if you know your heart well I think you would honestly admit it is obedience people who submit to the authority of God's word people who live By God's word. If you ask me, Brother Stephen, as a pastor, what is one of your greatest struggles? I don't say that preaching expositional sermons. I would honestly share with you. Even though I'm a pastor, a Christian for more than 25 years, I would say that my daily struggle is to obey God. Is to live in obedience to God's word. But how do we grow in obedience? Why is it that many people... Are not growing in obedience. And the Bible doesn't just say. To obey God's word. It also showed that the pattern. How we can grow in obedience. And many of us are not growing in that. Because we lack this submission. To the pattern. And brothers and sisters. I want to assure you this morning. That if you submit to the pattern. Of God's word. About how you and I can grow in obedience. I would assure you that you would be growing vibrantly in obeying god despite your weaknesses if you happen carefully and submit to the revelation of god's word but before i delve into this i would like to just take your attention to the gospel of matthew chapter 28 from verses 18 to 20 the gospel of matthew from uh, ch- chapter 28 from verse 18 to 20. And everything that I'm going to say is built on the great commission. If you see here, and Jesus came and said to them, this is before the ascension of the Lord and after the crucifixion and the resurrection of our beloved savior for the salvation of sinners. And this is the last commission that he had given to his disciples. And he said to them, shall we all read this together? All authority In heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now if you look at it, there is one time act that is presented. And the ongoing process that should be happening until the coming of our lord and savior jesus christ and what is the one time act we see that baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit a lot of people think that great commission is all about preaching the gospel and winning the lost to the kingdom of god but is that is only one half of the truth the other half of the truth that we see here is that teaching them to observe obey everything that i have commanded you now here is an important thing there are five things that i would like to tell you before we delve into the actual message the five things the first thing is that without teaching people cannot learn obedience without teaching people Cannot learn obedience because the Lord Jesus said that teaching them to observe. You have to teach people if they have to grow in obedience. Which means teaching is important and teachability is also important. Because teaching cannot be receptive if there is no attitude of teachability. And the Lord Jesus said here that teaching them to obey. Who are these people that you should teach to obey? He said that it is a consequent practice after people are baptized. Which means you preach the gospel that we are all sinners and God loved the world and sent his only begotten son to die for our sins. And because Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead, we are delivered from the bondage of sin. And I've been set free to walk in obedience to God's word. It is to those people you teach them obedience. What I would like to tell you, brothers and sisters, is that obedience is not possible if people are not born again. Obedience to God's word is an impossible notion to those whose hearts are not regenerated by the spirit of God. And sometimes we teach people to obey God's word without having them born again. Without having them experiencing the regeneration of the work of God. People should be born again and only born again people can obey God's word. Or else it is a burdensome, unbearable pressure to obey God's word. Only the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the death and the resurrection of the Lord on the cross will set people free to walk in obedience to God's word. So it is to those people, Christ said that, teach them obedience. And he also said them that, teach them after they are born again, and after they hear the gospel, and after they have been baptized, you teach them to obey. Now here is an important thing that Jesus did not say, inform them my teachings, inform them my doctrines, educate them in theology, which are very important for Christians. But the goal of discipleship is not transformation of information. The goal of great commission is obedience. And the Lord Jesus says here that teach them to obey The goal of teaching, the goal of discipleship, the goal of the Lord Jesus Christ, the goal of the Great Commission is teaching people to walk in obedience to God's will. Now, this is what I would like to tell you what salvation is. Now, here is something when I said this, some people are uh, uh, as if they are hearing for the first time, but that is what makes sense. When you hear what salvation is, when people think about salvation, they only think about they have a very low understanding, right understanding, but a very low understanding of salvation. They think that salvation is all about forgiveness of sins and then we have the hope of eternal life that we get into heaven. Now, brothers and sisters, there is no argument against it. It is true that salvation is forgiveness of sins and uh, you will get into heaven only because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ there is no argument against it but we need to get deeper into what salvation is now hear this carefully what did sin do to us actually what is sin sin is disobedience do you all agree with that sin is disobedience sin is rebellion against God sin is walking against God's word So because we have sinned against God, people have been subjected to the wrath of God, condemnation of God, judgment of God because of sin. And why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus leave his heavenly glory? Why did he become a man and walked in flesh? And why did he take up the cross? Why did he take up our punishment? Why did he take up and consume the wrath of God on the cross? So that, We would not just receive forgiveness so that we would be freed from the bondage of sin, which means that we would be freed from living in disobedience to God and would walk freely in obedience to God. Now, if you ask me, what is salvation? I tell that a lot of people only think about, oh, Jesus died for my sins so that I would get to heaven. That is true. But most essentially, salvation is freeing you from living a disobedient life to obedient and to God. That is what salvation is. When people think about losing salvation, I don't understand what they mean. You mean losing obedience? <laughs> salvation itself is a state of obedience to God. And we progressively grow in our obedience to God. We are not saved For we are not saved by our own good works, but we are saved by the work of Christ so that we would walk in obedience to God's word. If we have this understanding what salvation is, you know why people are not serious about obedience? Because they think that salvation is only about forgiveness of sins and going to heaven. They do not have the understanding that salvation is... Living a life of freedom by obeying God which we could not do because we were in the bondage of sin. But because Christ died on the cross and he set us free from the bondage of sin. Now we can freely walk in obedience to God. And when we sin despite being believers, Christ is our advocate. We can go to the Lord Jesus because forgiveness is never ending. It is never exhausted. We can go and ask God, Lord, forgive my sin and keep growing in obedience. Now, that is what the Lord Jesus said. Teach them to obey because I paid the price for their obedience. Now, hear this carefully, brothers and sisters. Hear this carefully. Jesus did not just die for your sins. He also died for your obedience. Jesus did not just die for your sins. He also died for your obedience. What does it mean? He died so that only through the cross you would live an obedient life. Only through the finished work of Christ on the cross that you will submit to God's word. So please don't have just the one half of the truth that only sin, but also for my obedience the fourth thing that we see here in this great commission is that he said that teach them to obey everything there are no multiple choices okay there are ten commandments here honor your father and mother do not commit adultery do not choose, do not steal which one do you like to obey there are no multiple choices It's not that, brother, I can obey this. No, 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 I can't obey this. I can go to this extent, but I cannot go beyond it. Jesus said that, teach them to obey everything. Obedience to God is without reservations. Obedience to God is without personal choices. If we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is to obey him in everything. Not in certain aspects. That is convenient for us. And that is possible because Jesus died for my obedience. And finally, he said that, teach them to obey all I have commanded you. What is the basis on which your obedience is built? What is the standard that you have to obey? It's not the culture. It's not personal opinions. It's not the traditions. Jesus said everything that I have commanded. The Holy Bible is the ultimate authority for christian obedience not the culture not personal obe- not personal opinions and also the traditions so all of our obedience should be built on the word of god which is very important and this with this introduction i would like to encourage you how can we cultivate this obedience if christian life is a life of obedience if Jesus died so that I would be set free from the bondage of sin, that I would live an obedient life, how can I grow? And why am I not growing? If any of you are sitting over here thinking that I'm not really growing in obedience, you will understand today why. This is one of the major reasons why you are not growing and I am not growing. But if we submit to the revelation of God's word, we would grow well in I'm not covering all the aspects of obedience but some essential aspects that are missing today for us to grow in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing that I would like to tell you, now hear this carefully, hear this carefully. The very first thing, if you and I are serious about growing in obedience, you must be a committed member of a local church. Now, why am I saying this? Because when Jesus said to them to baptize people and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you, in which context hap- uh, baptism happens? It happens in the context of the local church. Where do people hear continuous teaching so that they can learn obedience? It happens in the context of the local church. Now, Jesus didn't tell them to go and plant churches. But he said something before he gave the great commission. He said that I will build my church. And then he tells them, this is my commission to you, baptize people, and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded. And the book of Acts is an example of how the apostles of the Lord Jesus carried out the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. How did the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ carry out the great commission? The book of Acts Is an example for us. What did they do? They planted churches and discipled the people in the context of the local churches. For example, I would like to show you two scriptures here. We all of us know that in Acts chapter 2, the spirit of the Lord came upon the disciples who were praying and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues and Peter stood up and gave a fantastic, uncompromising, solid gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And right after he preached the gospel and gave them the command to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we see a miraculous conversion. How many people got converted? About 3,000 people. And we see that in verse 41. Now turn your Bibles to just look at Acts chapter 2, verse 41. When Peter preached the gospel and so those who received his word were baptized. Those who were born again, those who experienced the life-changing work of the Spirit of God through the gospel of Christ were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now, a lot of people put a full stop there. They don't go beyond that. You know, immediately what? Sometimes when you read the Bible, be careful of the sections. Okay, that is done by the Bible translators and also by the publishers of the Bible. But when it was written, it was written one thing after the other. One verse after the other. In fact, there were no verse divisions and section divisions. It was completely compact. Book written. But if you see verse 42, right after 41, what did they do? What did the saved believers do right after they were converted? Verse 42. Shall we all read together and... They, now observe the word they. Who were they? <clears throat> About 3,000 people who were converted. What happened? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. You know, it doesn't say they attended. It said they were devoted. There is a difference between attendance and devotion. A lot of people attend churches. They are not devoted to churches. And that's why they don't grow in obedience. And the Bible says that these people devoted. You know, they devoted themselves and devoured the teachings of the apostles. And what were the teachings of the apostles? What were the teachings of the apostles? Christ's teachings. They didn't teach something that Christ did not teach. Now listen carefully. Whatever the Lord said to the apostles, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you is what the apostles' teachings are. And they taught them to obey everything Christ commanded. And these people devoted as a community to teachings, to fellowship, to prayers, to the breaking of the bread. That's how they grew In obedience, I cannot imagine my Christian living apart from living in the context of a local community. That is not possible. So many people are living their wild Christian life in our generation today is because they are not devoted to a local church. And brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, if you want to submit not only to the commandment but also to the pattern of God's revelation of how we would grow in obedience, you must be devoted to Christ church and I'll tell you more why you should be committed to Christ church you also see in acts chapter 11 verse 25 <coughs> acts chapter 11 verse 26 this is after the birth of the antioch church it says here, here that it says here that acts 11:26 shall we all read this together for a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people were they fulfilling the great commission Paul and Barnabas? Yes. That is what Jesus said, right? Teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And once they were born again, once the church was planted, once they were baptized, what did they do? They taught them to walk in obedience to God's word. Now to whom were most of the letters written to? To whom were the letters written? To the church. Imagine people who were not part of the churches. Would would they have received how to live in obedience to God's word? There was not a single letter written to non-church member. Even the letters that were written to 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, they were part of the churches. Even the grand last book of Revelation returned to seven churches. The apostles never imagined a Christian without being a part of a church. Today we can not just imagine, we can see many Christians without church. And I don't know how they live a life of obedience to God's word without Christ's church. Now, this is what we need to understand that teaching for obedience is a community work. It is done and lived in the context of the community. Now, I would go further to prove my argument why the scripture says you need to be a part of a church. And it is not just being a part of a church. We should see these things are being implemented if the church is serious about obedience if you are serious about living an obedient Christian life the second thing is this the second thing is that teaching so teaching is done publicly and personally in the context of the local church which is the first thing and the second thing is teaching is done by biblically qualified elders and believers must submit to them teaching is done by biblically qualified elders and believers must submit to them. What is one of the grand qualifications uh, in chapter 3 in chapter 1 Timothy chapter 1? 99% of the qualifications speaks about character but there is one character, uh, there is one thing that speaks about ability. What is the ability? Teach. The ability to teach. And what they should be teaching? <laughs> Remember great Commission. It never goes beyond great commission. Teaching them to obey everything Christ commanded. For that, a person should have the ability to teach. And people must have the goal of listening to those teachings so that they can walk in obedience. And I can also show you one scripture, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Hebrews chapter 17 Uh, that chapter 13, verse 17, shall we all read this together? This is very important. In order for us to grow in obedience to God's word, it says here in verse 17, shall we all read this together? Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, when it says, obey your leaders, why does it say obey your leaders? Because they are teaching them to you God's word. When you are obeying them, you are not just obeying them, you are obeying Christ, who gave them the authority to preach and teach the word of God to the church. You cannot obey Christ if you are not obedient to the elders. Because elders, God ordained them to teach. A lot of people are fascinated about obeying Christ, but not obeying about obeying elders. Whether you are a new Christian or an old Christian, no matter whatever your profession is, brothers and sisters, if I, as a person who lived for many years Christian life and become a part of our church, and even those people are younger than me, I have to submit to them because God has ordained them to teach me to obey Everything he had commanded me, and it says here that submit to them why because if you want to grow in obedience, that shows how obedient and submissive you are to the elders. If I come and talk to you personally and understand, hey, how are you obedient to your elders? Can you tell me? Many will scratch their heads. I come on, uh, I come to church every Sunday, brother. <laughs> Good. You can be disobedient and still come. But that's one of the act of obedience also when you come regularly to the church. But that is not enough. How are you obedient? How are you submissive? And also we elders should understand that the only authority we have to teach people is God's word, not my personal opinions. People are not obligated. When I tell people, I say that do not obey me if you don't find biblical grounds. Because elders do not have an unquestionable authority. Elders do not have any authority to preach and teach besides God's word. And if it is in God's word, you have to obey them because they are preaching God's word, teaching God's word. And the Bible says here, people, now listen carefully. It says that they are keeping watch over your souls. Now what does it mean, keeping watch over your souls? Connected to great commission, never go beyond it. They are keeping watch over you whether you are walking in obedience to God's word. As they themselves watch over them. As Paul said in Acts chapter 20 verse 28, watch over yourself, that is watch over yourself whether you are obeying God's word and as you keep watch over yourself whether you are obeying God's word, watch over the church God has entrusted to you whether they are obeying God's word. Brothers and sisters, God has appointed elders, not to do the ministry of matching, hatching and patching or dispatching. A lot of people think that the only reason why we should be there because they need to solemnize my marriage. If you are not a part of a church, how do you get married then? So they think that is about matching or patching. And then hatching. Children, ceremony. And if you have children, you will have some nice celebration. And if you die, who will bury you? So you need to be a part of a church for that. That is the cheapest understanding of what it means to be a part of a church. No. You know why you should become a part of GLC. And if you are interested to become a part of GLC. Or if you are already a member of GLC. Let me tell you. You are here. So that elders will teach you. How to live in obedience to God's word. Amen. How to live an obedient life in the church. How to live an obedient life in the family. How to live an obedient life in the society. How to live an obedient life in the workplace. Elders. God has placed you to teach you. And not just to teach you. To hold you accountable. Whether you are walking in obedience to God's word. And I want to tell you something, dear church. God holds them accountable to hold you accountable. God holds the elders accountable for your obedience. And it's a scary thing. And that's why the Bible says that let them do this with joy. Don't be a burden now I am an elder there are few people who bring me great delight many people give me great burden why? you know it's very easy to lead the church enjoy the church when people live an obedient life but when they give a hard task to the elders don't listen to them don't submit to them the stubbornness stiff neckness and criticizing them questioning them with a very good humble attitude that is fine but trying to be you know You just go right against the word of God. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, you're giving them a hard task. And God's word says, please don't do that. You know, I say that the greatest challenging responsibility in the world is pastoring. You know why? Pastoring is the only ministry where you are involved in molding the character of people and conforming them to the standard of God's word. You're not building projects here. It's easy to be a manager of projects. It is easy to lead the nation and have some civil rights and civil responsibilities that people should follow. But church is a very difficult task to lead. Why? Because you are molding people into the likeness of Christ, which is hard. Why? Because we want to be rebellious. We don't want to submit. We don't want to obey. We don't want to live according to God's word. And that is hard task and pastors God has placed to continuously watch over you. How are you living as a husband? How are you living as a wife? How are you living as a church member? How are you living in the workplace? God has placed them to watch over you and brothers and sisters, hear this. Hear this. Give them the freedom to watch over you. Because that responsibility is given by God himself. You know what is the difference between the elders in the local church and those online preachers? On the online, you watch them, they don't watch over you. You watch John Piper, you watch Paul Washer. There are people who are great fans about Washer and Piper. They do not know your name, they do not pray for you, they do not watch over you. Please be fans of your elders. Why? Because they love you. They pray for you. They care for you. They know you by name. They counsel you. They build you. They pour their lives upon you. Let me tell you, they are our celebrities than John Piper and Washer. Honestly. Because they are the ones God has ordained. Piper is not accountable for you. Archie Prowl is not accountable for you. Your elders are accountable for you. So listen to them. Submit to them because God's word says so. Now I understand that there are people who are authoritarians, who abuse their authority, who who trample the church under their feet, who use the church for their self-glory, self-propagation. I understand there are leaders like that and you don't have to submit to them like that. But I believe that your elders are not like that. I believe they love you. They care for you. Their burden is to build the body of Christ. And brothers and sisters, let me tell you, please to make their work easy. Don't make it burdensome. Let me just show you another words uh, and then and then go ahead. It says here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 to 4. Hear this what it says it's a word of God that tells them it is not their own that they have come up with in order to tell you it says you that preach the word be ready in season and out of season what to do these are very easy words right very self comforting words what are the words reprove rebuke exhort these are very good words to hear and feel the comfort of the spirit of God right no these are hurting to our egos Is self-build up egos, and the Bible tells that reprove, rebuke, exhort, but with complete patience, with love, with compassion, and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. What is sound teaching? Teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. People are not interested in obedience. People are not interested in leaders who reprove them, who correct them, who exhort them. They don't want such leaders. In fact, they may call them legalists. Authoritarians also as sometimes. Because they don't like obedience. And what kind of preachers they want, pastors they want, elders they want. Because they have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers. Now see what it says... To suit their own passions. They want elders to congratulate their selfish living. They want pastors to applaud their pursuit of building their own kingdom. How to live a successful life. How to be prosperous in this world. How to earn wealth. How to have a healthy life. How to build your life. It's all about you. To suit their own passions, which means what? People who follow their own wishes and not interested in obedience to God's word, they want such pastors. And if you are such a pastor, they say that, "Ah, this church is not giving me the freedom to live a life, a free-floated Christian life. This is not suitable for me. I should go to a church where you are lost in the crowd and nobody holds you accountable, nobody watches over you, so that nobody can question me and nobody knows me and nobody can hold me accountable. Such are the churches that many people want. They don't want to go to churches where they are held accountable. And I, I don't know. Some of you may leave this church. I'm not prophesying. <laughs> that is a fact. <laughs> Some of you may leave this church. You know why? To find a church to, that suits your own passions. I wish that would not be true of you. But that is a fact of almost Every church. You see also what he says in Titus chapter 2 verse 15. Declare these things as an elder, as a pastor. Declare these things. What things? If you see the context. How you should live as an older man. How you should live as an older woman. How you should live as a younger girl. How you should live as a younger man. How you should live as an employee. Employer. After giving the declarations. He says in verse 15. Declare these things. Teach these people how to live in the church and the family. And you know what it says here? Rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. Now what does rebuke mean? Expose the sins in people's lives. People, let me tell you, please listen to me. Although we are born again, we still carry sinful nature. Although we are born again, we have this rebellious nature in our hearts. Although we are born again, there is a nature within us which doesn't want to obey God's word. And I'm telling you, if you are serious to grow in obedience, go to your elders and tell them, Brother, I give you complete freedom and authority to correct me, rebuke me, exhort me, hold me accountable because I am serious to live and obey God. That's very, very important. I love what uh, Robert Yarbrough who is a very good Bible commentator, He said that but Christians generally and pastors in particular should be civil and even magnanimous, which is they should be gentle, they should be you know kind and acceptable in their dealings with others. He says that nice is not always optimal in the care of souls. We are not called brothers and sisters to be nice with you. We are called to help you, live in obedience to God's word. you yeah. know. Based on these scriptures, you know why people are not growing in obedience? There are two reasons I say that. First is that shepherds and elders are not courageous and courteous to confront people. They watch, they see that this husband is not living a godly life. They see that these parents are not bringing up their children in proper ways. They see that they are not walking in obedience to God's word in the church, but they don't have the courage and courtesy to go and tell them. Maybe because they lose members. Maybe because they receive criticism as a result of it. Lot of people don't do that because anything they want to say, they just say that from the pulpit. But they don't want... Even when you say from the pulpit, some of the people will say, you targeted me. Hey, Dion, Alan, did anyone tell you? You targeted me, brother. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, you should listen to the sermon as if you are the only target. (laughs) Not your neighbor. That's how you should listen to sermons. That's one reason why people are not growing in obedience. You know, as an elder, as a pastor, even last week I had to tell because, you know, I'm an elder, I'm in a strong personality, I preach very strongly. There are people who are afraid to approach me. I constantly tell the people around me, even just a few days back, I had to tell them, Brother, if you see anything in me, I urge you, come and tell me. Rebuke me. Correct me. I need you. Without you, I cannot live a holy life. Hold me accountable. I need you. As an elder, if I need that, how much more my believers need? My people of God need? Brothers and sisters, let me tell you another reason why. Because people are not teachable and humble to receive God's exhortation through the elders. Go to your elders and say that. Really, I'm telling you. I'm not just giving you information, I'm teaching you to obey. Go to your elders. I know that it is very hard if you see something problem in me. My brothers, I'm really desirous to grow in obedience. Help me. If you see anything as a father, as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as a church member, as a worker, if you see anything, whether you're old or young or whatever you are from, you go and tell them, brother, feel free. I understand that it is very hard to correct and very hard for people to accept it. Even I struggle with pride, but I give you the freedom to do that because God has given you that authority. You have to watch over me. I had to beg some people, please do it. Please do it because I know that without that obedience is not possible. And you will see signs and wonders happening in your life as they expose your blunders and help you to grow in the wonder-working God to become Christ-like. The third one, why people are not growing and what we need. It's not just the elders people teaching one another in the body of Christ. Teaching is done by one another in the body of Christ. And this teaching consists both encouragement and exhortation. Now, I'm going to show you two scriptures that blow your mind off. When I read that, it blew my mind. First, see Colossians 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 28. Here Paul says, okay, observe the two Greek words which are very important. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. And this is what Paul says. He is the one we proclaim. Christ is the one we proclaim warning. I don't like to expose myself as a Greek knowledgeable person. I just borrow from others, but it's important to understand the point in order for you to know the Greek words. It says that right And then it says teaching didaskontes. observe that didas contest teaching everyone and warning everyone. people listen to this warnings are important. if we have to grow. In obedience today, we don't like warnings. We want people to sugarcoat us with nice, pampering messages in order for us to grow. But yes, we need comfort, we need encouragement, we also need warning. Paul says here that warning everyone. Paul even warned Peter, he didn't care that he's an apostle of the Lord Jesus. Read Galatians, he warned him. Warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Which is obedient in Christ. Great commission. Still. How do people become mature? What are the two things they need? What are the two things they need if they want to become mature? Warning and teaching. And we all hate it. <laughs> I hate it. It's very hard. I want people and come and tell me, Hey Stephen, you are a nice man. You are a good person. You are a fantastic husband. You are a great father. I would be pampered and flattered to listen to those words and I would be the dearest friend of that person because he makes me feel good about myself. I don't want Dion to come and tell me brother the way you spoke to your wife in public I think it is not the way a loving husband should do that. I think you have to go and ask apology to your wife because Colossians 3.19 says do not be harsh with your wives and this is how you behave. I think you should repent brother and go and apologize ask god's grace to help him now, that's very heartbreaking but it is character building warning teaching everyone to present to present everyone mature in christ now here is a mind blowing words paul says to present everyone i'm warning and teaching and he and he says in colossians 3:16 to all believers not just to elders To all believers. You see what it says in 316. Shall we all read this together? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. With all wisdom. As you teach didaskontes. And admonish notetontes one another with all wisdom. See Paul says warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom. To present everyone mature in Christ. And he says it's not just my responsibility. Brothers and sisters you have to do it. In fact I tell people that. A lot of people are very nice before me. Because I am an elder. They show their true nature to themselves. When they are in relationship with one another. And I say that. More than elders may be. Believers can help one another to grow more in obedience. Because that's where you are natural. And he says here that. As you teach and admonish one another. With all wisdom, what are they doing? They are teaching and warning and it says that make sure that you are not filled with personal opinions, cultural inclinations, but with the word of Christ. And you need to do that with wisdom, not with aggression, not with harshness, not with impulse, but with the wisdom of God, what to speak, how to speak, how to help this person. Why? To help people to grow towards maturity. People, you know what is a healthy church? It's not just expositional preaching. It's not just breaking of the bread prayers. And let me tell you, the hardest thing in the local church to follow above all commandments and implications of the gospel, you know what is that? To warn and teach one another in the body of Christ. It's hard. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, if you don't practice it, Obedience is a fantasy, not a reality. I'll show you another scripture just to convince you finally and get, go to the last point. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 12. This is spoken about elders. It says 1 Thessalonians 5 12. Now we ask you brothers to respect those. Speaking about shepherds, the noun is not used but the pronoun is used and it is obvious to us that this is speaking about elders and leaders. To respect those who work tirelessly among you, care for you in the Lord and instruct you. What is the word that you see here again? Note the taunt us. Okay? Instruct you. This is 512. Okay? Elder's job is to instruct you, admonish you, exhort you. Right after that verse, he speaks to the whole church in verse 14. You see what it says. Shall we all read this together? Now we appeal to you, brothers, admonish what exactly the elders are doing, the leaders are doing in the congregation. He says to them, admonish the disorderly, those who go off from the ways of the Lord. Those who live a life that bring disgrace to the name of God and disgrace to the church. Those who do not walk in obedience to all that Christ has commanded in the great commission. If you see those people, admonish them. And then it says, comfort the discouraged. Help the weak. And be patient with all. You know why believers are not growing in obedience? Why you and I are not growing in obedience? You know why? Two reasons first we don't have a humble spirit to receive exhortation and admonishment from one another you know we all are qualified and attain the degree of PhD as lawyers the inner lawyer isn't it we all what does a lawyer do always justify the client isn't it and that's why the inner lawyer comes whenever somebody tells immediately the inner lawyer comes and what do we do justify ourselves and try to pinpoint some mistakes and blame someone and try to justify ourselves. Where do people come and help us and correct us if we carry that disposition? And let me tell you, even if people are wrong and still come and tell you with a good attitude, with a wonderful spirit, still listen to them. I often tell people one thing and this is what I have learned also. Please, please do not lose people who have the guts To tell on your face where you should change. Because you seldom seldom find them.
1: Seldom find them.
0: Such people. There are a lot of people who think evil about you. Think. But they will never tell you. There are a lot of people who speak evil about you. Backside. Backbite. They never tell you. Very few people come and tell you. Hey, brother and sister, I think this is where you have to change. And we lose them what fools we are. They are treasures, people. They are gems. They are your real caretakers. They are your real friends. Don't lose them. And in a close relationship, I often encourage people, please tell one another, hey, we are very free and you may observe in me. Sometimes, you know, for the first time when I travel with people, when I come and say that, I think you have seen the real Stephen David now you have anything to speak about me? <laughs> I would love to listen to that. See give people the freedom constantly. Come on, tell me. Alan was so kind and he's so loving. Recently he came and gave me a very solid rebuke. We were eating together and said, I wanted to tell you and, he's, and, he, and I will never forget. I don't know what he appreciated in the past. That correction I would never forget in my life. Because that has helped me to grow in the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need people. Don't lose them. In fact, encourage people. Inf- encourage. That is true friendship, people. Where you our fellowships have become more like Paul says, pubship. You know what pubship is? What people talk in the pups. about sports and news and politics and about fun and entertainment. That is how our fellowships have become. We talk about all kinds of things except sanctification, and we say it's a Christian fellowship. We have a lot of fun. Sometimes, you know, I don't want to be in fellowship. You know why? It is only fun and entertainment. Even I failed in that. It is not helping me to become like Christ. It is not helping me to grow in sanctification. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God that says, Admonish one another. Exhort one another. Build each other up. I'll just show one more final word and then go to the final point. Please bear with me. Uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12 and 13 I just have 10 minutes and I try to close in that Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12 and 13 now hear this carefully the power of sin and the power of fellowship right shall we all read this together take care brothers lest there be any of you an evil unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What do you realize in these words about the power of sin? It hardens the heart. It deceives people. That's the power of sin. And what is the power of fellowship? It says that exhort one another every day. Not one man over others. Not just elders and leaders. Some people think you know Who appointed you as a pastor to come and tell me all these things? God has appointed it. We are even shepherds of one another. Who care for one another. God has given the authority. You have no authority to tell them. You have no authority. When God gave the authority. And it says that. Exhort one another every day. So that. You know why we are not growing in obedience? This is not happening. And it doesn't say exhort one another maybe once in a while or occasionally every day. This should be the constant activity. This is one reason I'd say that you should be geographically proximate to the local church. You know why? Because attending service just once in a while is not, it's, it's not helpful. I, I strongly encourage people, stay close to the local church so that your life is exposed. If you spend two hours here every Sunday and just disappear and come again every two hours Sunday, nothing will happen in your life. When you spend time together and engage, then the trouble will come. (laughs) I tell people that. If you are a nice person and people are nice to you, if you have no problem, it is not because you are a loving person and a mature person. It is because you are not in close relationship with one another. Any relationship, that is, many people have a romantic relationship rather than a committed relationship. Romantic relationship, all of us know how it will be before marriage. Heaven and earth. Isn't it? The only thing that you see is good. Because you never lived under one shelter. You meet once in a while. And you are fascinated by spending that little time with one another. That romantic relationship. But once you get married and live together under one shelter. If I had known this. I might have made a choice of another person. Many people if you interview that after five years of marriage. Hey, be honest would you like to marry the same person given a chance again very few people will tell very few people will tell yes most of the people oh, it's a relief if i find another person but after 5 years same thing will happen they will never find a person with whom they are satisfied because you understand what it means to live together as a committed relationship i'm telling you brothers and sisters in church life many people want a romantic relationship come on sunday Spend time for some time. Have that romantic fellowship. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Ah, oh, so good brother. I'm so encouraged. And when you come into a committed relationship, there will be conflicts, there will be offenses, there will be exposures of weaknesses. My goodness, I never knew that. This is such a uh, ugly guy. sinner. I thought he's an angel. Come and spend time with Stephen David. Alan knows me very well. <laughs> the one who has the guts to bear me is my two friends not the one who speak behind my butts. Brothers and sisters, get close to one another. And I'm telling you, you can help one another a lot to become obedient. Let me tell you, I'm making a grand statement. I'm not ashamed of it. God has given you the church to help you live an obedient life. Not to have a good service. Oh, I felt the presence of God today in the church while singing this song. All about feeling the presence of God. Praise God for the presence of God. Have you become Christ-like? That's what matters. God is here not to, you know, trigger and stimulate and entertain our feelings about feeling good. He is there to offend you so that you can become Christ-like. And that's the God of holiness. Finally, I'm preaching again. Finally, the fourth one. What is the first thing that I say? If you want to grow in obedience you need to be a committed member of a local church. And second, if you want to grow in obedience, obey and submit to your elders. Listen to them. Third, if you want to grow in obedience, let us mutually warn, encourage, exhort with all wisdom, with love, compassion and kindness. And finally, this is the most hardest thing. But Bible unashamedly reveals this. You know people, this teaching that God has said in great commission, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, is done with discipline. My question is, what if people don't obey everything that Christ commanded? They don't want to obey. What to do with them? They don't want to obey great commission. They say Jesus is my Lord, Jesus is my God. I love God's word, but I don't want to obey. What to do with them? Bible says discipline them. You see here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 16. Just see this. This is what the word of God says. If people are not interested in obedience and they rebel, they don't submit. The Bible doesn't say let them live the way they live and still be a part of the community. No, the church should be concerned about obedience in the body of Christ with love, compassion and grace, which is very important. And it says here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 14 and 15. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, oh brother, it is 2 Thessalonians. I think I am free to disobey 1 Thessalonians. (laughs) Please don't think like that. It's any letter because all are inspired by the word of God. Anyone who does not obey what we say in this letter because what they wrote was everything that Christ commanded them to obey. In other words, if anyone does not obey what Christ has commanded, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him that he may be ashamed. People's shame is good. We are living in a culture impacted by the culture. Don't people, don't make people feel ashamed. Bible says that if you want them to change, you need to make them feel ashamed. Tell them, brother, you are continuously living in this sin. We cannot have fellowship with you. Either repent or we have nothing to do with you. Do not regard him as an enemy but warn him as a brother. Can brothers harden their hearts? Can born again people rebel against God's word? Of course. What do they do? then? What, how do we help them? They need discipline. And brothers and sisters, let me tell you, some of you will leave this church when this is practiced and you go to a church who don't care about your obedience. They are interested in church growth, not about church maturity. They're interested in money because as long as you give them tithe, 50,000 rupees, 10,000, 20,000, as long as you give, oh, to lose you is losing great money. But we are not here to make money. If you are to make money, we would have done some business. Why lead a church here? We are here to help people become Christ-like. I remember a sister came to our church. And I tell her, why did you leave the church? She said something. I know the pastor. I called him and said that, hey, your member has come to our church. And he said she was a troublemaker in the church. And we wanted to help her. And she didn't want to listen. She left the church and joined our church. I said that, sister, we want you to live at peace, your church, if you want us to receive you. And then I told her, I can, I can do one thing. I can sit with your pastor and sit with you and listen on both sides. And then I can consider that. Then I sat with her pastor and sat with her. And I saw that she is very rebellious, the way she was speaking. He was kind, it was reasonable. But she was not submissive. Then I told her, sister, I'm sorry. We can only accept you in our church if you come on peaceful grounds. She left us, joined a church where she is been used mightily by the Lord in their words hallelujah god is using her to be a great blessing and she is experiencing the presence of god every time she comes to the church what kind of a god is that i don't see such god in my bible who makes people feel good he is there to make people grow in obedience and brothers and sisters church discipline is something people don't practice it i want to write a book how to lose members <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> Bring discipline, you lose it. Because they don't want a church where discipline is there. And people, let me tell you, if you want to grow in obedience, you should understand that our nature is sinful and sometimes we rebel and we should be submissive to discipline. I'm telling you, some of the best Christ-like people in the church were those people who embraced discipline. And today, they are super Christians. They might have left just because of discipline, but they accepted it. They bore it. They embraced it and today they are Christ-like. If they have left us, they might have continued in their rebellion. Maybe God might have changed in some other sense. I believe in sovereignty of God. You see this Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. It says, brothers, if anyone is caught in transgression, what should you do? You who are spiritual should ignore them and let them live in sin. Does it say that? Any sin, it doesn't say that major sin. Any sin that you see, please seek restoration. Seek restoration. If you love your brother and sister, don't ignore sin in each other's lives. This is very, very serious. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 9 says following. Hear this carefully. I wrote you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of the brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or an idolater, reviler, drunkard or swindler. Not even to eat with such a one. Is this love? This only is love. Not the so-called worldly tolerance. The godly discipline of Christians to help them grow in obedience. And it tears our heart. It grieves us to do so. But we do it. To help our brother and sister. But what I have to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Discipline is required. There are some people who are addicted to porn in our church. We had to tell them. If you continue to do so. We are willing to help you. The first thing is you may have to confess to the deacons. Second thing is. Mentors, if you stubbornly do that, you may have to confess before the whole church. Most of the people were obedient, and today they are out of it. There were people who were sleeping with others, living in premarital sex. We had to discipline them. They didn't leave the church. They understood, I, I need this discipline today. Superb, but very few people submit to that. Many people don't want such churches, but I'm telling you, if you are serious about obedience, love discipline. If children need discipline and parents should discipline children, then we as babes and even sometimes mature Christians, we need discipline to grow in the Lord. But it should be done with love and grace. This also means even elders need discipline. Even I, if I am stubborn and disobedient, I need to be disciplined. One Timothy chapter five verse 1920 says that do not admit a charge against an elder except on the, on, on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Now he see what it says: As for those who persist in sin, even elders, even pastors, if they persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. My goodness, who follows this? Which churches are following this? Where are the churches that take these exhortations? We have become a program, an entertainment club. But brothers and sisters, this is what God wants the church to be. Now you understand why the Bible says you should be a committed member? Why my first point I said that without local church, without committed membership in the church, you cannot grow in obedience? Because these things happen only in the church, not an informal relationship that you meet a person in the coffee club or in a shopping mall and have an informal. Who disciplines you? Who holds you accountable? We need such communities and such communities are healthy to help us grow in obedience to God's word. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, this is only possible to live this way. Only when we experience the life transforming power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if there is anyone here who is just coming to church but not have come to Christ who are listening to the word, but have not submitted to the gospel of the Lord Jesus. I want to tell you that Jesus loved us. He gave his life for us. He shed his every drop of the blood. He allowed his body to be plowed and he laid his life on the cross so that he would deliver us from this sin and disobedience and rebellion because we could not do ourselves. We cannot live in obedient love ourselves. For this reason, Jesus died. You know, sometimes when I battle with sin, I just say that Jesus, you died for this sin. You died for this sin. You died for my sin. I cannot live an obedient life. You died. You paid the price. Deliver me, O Lord. Because I know that I am helpless. I don't have the power. Only the power of Christ's redemption on the cross can set me free to live an obedient life. there is anyone here, may I ask you this afternoon to repent of your sin and believe in this glorious gospel. To set you free from disobedience and walk in freedom. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, there is so much of exceeding, overwhelming joy in walking in obedience to God. Sin is a curse. It is burdensome. It ruins us. And it's not just those who are unbelievers. For believers, we never cross the cross. We never cross the cross. We always have to come to the cross of Christ and say, Lord Jesus, died for my sin look to the gospel in your rebellion look to the gospel in your struggle with sin look to the gospel what Christ has done he hung on the cross and he laid his life for your deliverance and my deliverance from sin and for my obedience and I am confident that I can live an obedient life why because of the gospel because of the church I tell people it's not just without Christ I cannot live I say them even without church I cannot live my Christian life. Just as I cannot, I cannot say that. I, 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 I just cannot live without Jesus Christ. But I can live without water and food. That's foolishness. Because these are the means God has given you. To help you live in the same way. God has given the church. Through which you live your Christian life. And I say to people. It's not just without Christ. Without church I cannot live my Christian life. Let's seek the cross. And submit to the church. And let's live an obedient life. Can we all stand together and pray? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to you for the gospel. Thank you so much for Lord that you loved and deserved unworthy, wrathworthy Christians, uh, people, and you sent your son to die for people like us. Who are we that we should be loved by you? Who are we that Christ should lay his life on the cross? We deserve your eternal condemnation. But Christ died for us and he rose from the dead. So that we would be delivered from that sin. And sin is a tormentor, Lord. Sin ruins joy and peace in us. There is no blessing in sin and disobedience. For we are created for you, for your glory, to live in obedience. And what overwhelming joy and uh, unspeakable peace when we live in obedience to your word. And this is why you died for us, Christ Jesus. And this is what salvation is. That we would live in obedience to you, which we could not do without your cross. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus, that only because of the gospel. We have the hope that we can live an obedient life. And because of the church you have blessed us with, with the elders, with the members, with instructions about how we should live together as a church so that we would grow in obedience. Lord, we don't want to be wild, self-appointed spirituality that many have set the standard today to live their Christian life. We don't want to be deceived like them. Your word alone is the revelation of the living God. Your word alone is the way through which we live our Christian life. The psalmist has said your word is a lamp unto my feet. Apart from your word there is no light. There is no understanding. There is no revelation of what you want us to know about you and how we should live our Christian life together. And we thank you for the church. We thank you for the teaching in the church. We thank you for the elders in the church. We thank you for the members in the church. Although these are scary things to Lord. These are uneasy things for us to follow in the church. But Lord, may we follow them because this is your word. As the disciples said, where else do we go, O God? You have the words of life. And these are the words of life. Of how we need to live an obedient life. May we die to sin. Deny ourselves. Take up our cross. And follow you, O Lord Jesus. And we believe, we know, we are confident that we can live this way only because of the cross. And we thank you for that. And we offer this prayer with thanksgiving. Amen.